Years later, when he looked back on those days, he always remembered Rabbi Schwartzman as the one true friend of his childhood, as the grandfather he'd never had. Rabbi Schwartzman lived on Washington Avenue, in an apartment building whose former glory persisted only in its name, the Marlboro Court, written across the escutcheon above the front door, and in the senile extravagance of its architecture, its high-peeling, plastered ceilings and vast front hall with its stuffy smell of sickness and food, its Doric columns, dingy mirrors, and mosaic floor usually traversed by the janitor with his mop and pail, and by two or three figures imperceptibly snailing toward the elevator on their walkers. Trembling with the prospect of meeting a real author, Goldsmith had arrived here late one drizzling afternoon, echoed through this front hall past his fugitive reflection, blown his nose in the elevator beside a shadow in a wheelchair and a peroxided dowager with a cane, taken a right out of the elevator and down the gloomy depths of a corridor, which ended in a door marked 14E, a black door protected by a gold mezuzah. He rang the bell. It was a sullen matron in a nurse's uniform, a little squinting woman who, in another existence, might have been a bureaucrat in a department of hell, who opened the door and interrogated him with an air of hostile suspicion. No visitors. He almost said something nasty, but instead he exuded the sugar of his already accomplished hypocrisy, mustered a boyish smile, babbled something inane about the weather, until Rabbi Schwartzman's nurse grudgingly dispatched him down a hallway whose terminus was a squalid bathroom on the right and Rabbi Schwartzman's study on the left. He knocked twice, cautiously, on the door jamb and looked inside. How are you, sir? I couldn't be better, said the old man. I got a call this morning from the Olympic Committee. They want me to run the 220. You like mound bars? Maybe Hershey's? Pull up a seat. So, you read my book? asked Rabbi Schwartzman, raising expectant brows and rubbing his hands. No, not exactly. I read the first ten pages, but the rest of it was missing. I couldn't find another copy. The librarian said you were dead, but my Aunt Selma said you weren't. She told me where to find you. So, why did you come? Because I found your name written in one of my mother's books. A French woman named Marie Goldsmith. Do you remember her? Rabbi Schwartzman raised his brows. Remember her? Yes, yes, how could I forget? It's not every day you see such a thing. A woman so beautiful and so terrified, obsessed with the terror. Something about an Armenian gypsy woman, a strange spread. Yes, that was it. A Celtic cross with a poisonous ten of swords covering, the moon crossing, the fool as the sixth card, and the devil as the destined tent. Your mother said she was doomed. Could I help? But what? What could I do? She died violently, yes? Yes, in a car accident fifteen years ago. So, maybe she was right, eh? A family curse, maybe. But then, you know about your people, don't you? No? Amazing. Well, it's all here, he said, reaching to the bookcase and putting four green volumes on his lap.
He tapped the topmost volume, opened the front cover, and caressed the vellum with his thumb and forefinger. And your ancestor lives on, he said, quickly finding the last volume and drawing out his words. Lives on, lives on, lives on, page 963 of volume two. Then he found the volume and the page and began to read aloud.